0: Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. You are listening to Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM here in Chicago. As you can tell, I am Ibrahim Beg, our host, Tariq Elamine, the Imam. He is missing in action briefly, but he'll be back with us later. So I'm filling in for him. Uh, today we are going to have a conversation with Fezan Rahman on the situation of public like public health situation in Tanzania. Uh Feizan Rahman is a master's candidate at Benedictine University in Lyle, Illinois, right? In the public health sector. So assalamu
1: alaykum. alaikum. Thanks for having me. Ooh, alhamdulillah
0: um so just start off by uh, filling us in on the purpose of your trip like how you got into the trip how you got into it um everything like that
1: okay so essentially um for the public health program at benedictine you have to take a class called global health and it was offered in class as well as overseas in tanzania so for me i was like you know if i can take in tanzania why not take it there and um luckily there was um funding and whatnot available that people donated, so the cost wasn't that big of a deal, so that's why I opted to take uh, the trip there. Um, the reasoning behind this trip was we wanted to perform a community health analysis for the people of Tanzania, um, for the village of Emiliwaha, which is a small Catholic convent, and how we Benedictine has ties with them is that a couple of the priests and sisters actually go to school at Benedictine, so we had ties there, and no one's really ventured out there to see, you know, like, what are these people's strengths, what are their weaknesses, how can we help them, so that's why, um, yeah.
0: So do they have that trip every year?
1: Um, So last year was the first time they went, but the thing was, last year, um, <laughs> they pretty much just handed out a couple, you know, life straws, or like, here you go. They didn't really do what we did. Like, we interviewed literally every part of the community there from like students to teachers to principals to priests um, pretty much everyone there orphans the orphanage every place there we literally interviewed to see what were the strengths and weaknesses whereas last year they didn't really do that they just went to the health clinic and interviewed like a couple patients but it wasn't really in-depth like how ours was yeah that's cool
0: I'm gonna get into the details of that um, in a minute But um, how many people went on the trip with you?
1: So it And were they all
0: from Benedictine or were they from different places?
1: Yeah, so all of them were students. There was six students, including myself, um, and then our professor.
0: So you landed in which city?
1: Dar es Salaam, which is like the main city of Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you stay there for a while? Or uh, no. So as soon as we landed, we pretty much took a, a bus to the village we went to, um, called Emiliwaha. It's actually a really, really small village. If you you can't even find it on the map, that's honestly how small it is. It was um, roughly an eight, eighteen-hour bus ride. Eighteen hours? Yes.
0: On the bus? Yes. Was it like small bus or like a? Big? It was.
1: I mean, it was good for maybe like ten people, mm-hmm. and luckily, you know, that air conditioning too. And honestly, like, it was, it was draining, but taking the bus was really beautiful because you could, you know, just see, like, the greenery and all the nature there that, you know, you've seen on TV, but seeing it in real life is really extraordinary.
0: What was the landscape? Was it many different types of landscapes, or was it all, like, one big so, like so forest? Was it, like, uh, grasslands? What was it like?
1: Yeah, so essentially when we got to Dar es Salaam, it was pretty much like any, you know, typical small city. Um the roads were kind of bad, but once we ventured out maybe forty five minutes to an hour was grassy plain areas, but there was mountains in the distance. Um, there's a lot of greenery there. There was a lot of trees. I didn't really see like any jungles or anything like that, but there was a lot of mountains. Um there was a small sector, probably like thirty minute stretch where there was a signs for animals. So that's where I actually saw it was really cool. You saw random like baboons across you know, running across the street. Hmm. Um I saw zebras, I saw like a giraffe, I saw elephants like on the side, which was really extraordinary. just to see the, you know, even though I was driving was
0: it were they completely wild or was it like yeah,
1: they were like wild, a, kind of they were just wild. there, yeah, but it was like it's it's cool how there was like a small stretch of land that it said like you know animals are here, but i didn 't see any other animals like that ever again, like on the trip, so that was really cool hmm. that's amazing mm
0: mm-hmm. And then, so after 18 hours, you got to the village.
1: Yes. So we got there. It was it was nighttime. We were all really drained. Um, so I was the only guy there, so I had my own room while the other students um, shared rooms. Luckily, so the thing was, it was an 18-hour bus ride because of the elevation as well. It was really high up in the mountains. So luckily, like, when we landed in Dar es Salaam, the weather was really humid. The high was 85. The low was 75 but once we got to, um, in Waha, the high was 62 and the low was 39 at night. So uh, it was really, yeah, so it was really and cold. In the summer. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, this is their, this is their cold season, I guess. So we lucked oh, okay. out and, you know, like, Ram- Ramzan was going on too. So luckily for me, you know, I, I opted to fast because, you know, fasts were way shorter. So I was like, why not? And the weather's not bad. So, you know, why not?
0: <laughs> and so you were there with, um, uh there's a convent in the village, right? Yes. So, because now, explain how the convent is associated with uh, Benedictine.
1: So, a couple of the the priests and um, the sisters there go to Benedictine. Benedictine helps fund in some situations, but the convent has many, many donors. So that's how we have ties with them.
0: And Benedictine is like a Catholic. University. Yes.
1: Yes. Benedictine is a Catholic university. So actually, one of the fathers there. Um, he goes to Benedictine and I met him and I, the, th- the cool thing about the villagers everyone is really really nice um, I told them you know when I was fasting oh, they're like oh, why are you eating because they're they're really strict with Food like you can only pretty much get food, you know in the morning at a certain time at lunch or dinner So when I would go and not eat or if I wasn't there they'd ask Oh, what's wrong? Are you sick? And when I told them all oh, I'm Muslim and I'm fasting they're really understanding and there's you know at night um, They actually gave me porridge at dinner the night before like oh if, You know when you fast in the morning or we need food in the morning because we would eat around, I think, fasting ended around, like, 5.20, 5.30 there. But we have, uh, I think, breakfast around 7 or 8. So to, they're really accommodating, and they made me porridge, you know, so I had food in them the next day.
0: I didn't pick that up. Why were they so strict about when to eat?
1: Well, because everyone has their assigned roles. Um, so, like, people who set the tables, for example, like, they'll be doing something else. You know, they might be helping students. Um, or like you know like making candles everyone there has their own specific task that they do that you know there's no one really not doing anything even the students there um, if they're not in school they are helping in some way shape or form Um, I think I saw some they're they're trying to make like crafts they were working on their craftsmanship there they're trying to make beds and then there's candle making and basket making just to try to help uh, make more you know money available for the convent
0: Okay, so now tell us about the um, the health situation.
1: So, the health situation obviously when you comp- compare it to America is really tough. So when we went to the med bay there, um, we interviewed like the dentist for example. And when we were talking to the dentist, she was really smart. She was really qualified, but she was saying um, there's a lot of issues where like they don't have specific tools for um, some surgeries. So a lot of times they'll pull the tooth when, you know, in reality you don't even need to pull it. You just maybe you needed like a cap or something like that, but they had to pull it. And then there was instances. Wait, for they
0: have to pull it just because they don't have the resources? Yeah. To
1: the specific tools. To do yeah. Do
0: like a regular procedure. Yeah,
1: like if let's say it needs like a like you need like a cap or something, or if you need a filling. A lot of times they don't have the tools to give you a filling, so they have to take the tooth out. Another issue they were saying is the dentist, you know, witch doctors and whatnot, that people will take someone else's word for it and wait to the last minute where it's too late, you have to take the tooth out. Um, One thing that really, really shocked me was that the dentist was telling us that people pass out a lot because of uh, the numbing uh, agent that they receive. And when I asked, like, I, I thought, you know, it's rare, obviously. You know, if people pass, it's not, you know, people passing out, you don't think it happens all the time. But she's like, no, like, it happens all the time. Because what type of numbing agent they use, I guess it has some type of reaction. But they keep using it, which is really shocking to me. Because when I asked her, like, when does this happen, She's like, oh, it happens all the time.
0: They keep using it because they have nothing they else. They have nothing
1: else to use. Yeah. yeah. So that was really eye-opening for me. So do you think...
0: The um, the situation in this village that we have, what was the name of it again? Uh, Emiliwaha. Emily Waha. Yes. Do you think it's representative of the broader health
1: situation in, in the country? I think the health situation definitely is way worse anywhere else because, you know, the convent has funding. Um, they have—actually, when I land where we're staying, they have a bunch of, like, 20, 30, 40 acres of fruits and vegetables so they're way well off. When I was driving to um, the convent, that's where I saw, like, you know, random villages on the side of the road. And I even saw, like, mosques there on the side of the road, and those were way worse. I can't even imagine how, you know, medical uh, situation is throughout uh, the, the country. Another shocking thing was in the medical center there, they don't really have, like, a real doctor. They have people that know what to do in certain situations, but they don't have an actual, like, doctor there. Um like women if they're pregnant and ready to give birth they only have like five or six beds so it's if you show up and you're like the seventh woman oh i'm pregnant to give birth they're like oh too bad we don't have any more beds it's 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 really really bad yeah
0: and this was so you said this is kind of a step up from yes it's probably around in the yes rest of the that's country.
1: what i'm assuming because it was a closed off convent they have you know uh like clean water for the most part they had to boil it but they had clean water they have fruits and vegetables um, they have electricity for the most part. It's it used to it goes out at night, but they still have it for the time being. For the most part during the day.
0: Okay, Um well, that's actually yeah pretty shocking. Um, describe for us your day to day procedure which you did there as a researcher.
1: So essentially, um, what happened was the first couple of days we just kind of hung out. You know, <laughs> acclimated to the weather the temperature just try to adjust but once we got situated um we received the tour of the convent um when we walked around we saw how big it really was and in the distances there was mountains and beyond those mountains there was villages and the sisters were telling us how a lot of um villages depend on the convent if they ever need you know water or food or if someone gets sick because they really just literally have no one, they have to come here, and sometimes it's like a day's journey. Um, So we got a rough idea of that. Then we got a tour of um, the schools, the orphanage, specific businesses like printing presses where they make books, as well as like uh, candle-making businesses and whatnot. And after we got acclimated to where everything was, that's when we began to interview people For whether it's like orphans, students, people who ran the orphanage, um, priests, sisters, pretty much every anyone we could talk to about their situation, we would talk to. Um, There's actually a retreat there, so there were some um, priests that like come visit, but they're not necessarily from that area, and we interviewed them as well to see what's the issue that these people have on a day-to-day basis, as well as what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses.
0: Hmm, That's interesting. Did anything stand out from the interviews that you did?
1: So basically how close that these people are was really eye-opening to me. Um, Everyone supports one another. Everyone there was really cheery and smiley. Like no one knew who I was, but if I was walking, I'd look at someone, they just smile. Like there was, I never got frowned upon, never got looked down upon, even though I was a total outsider, you know? So that was really eye-opening for me. But the issues that I thought, you know what were the biggest issues were electricity and water and pretty much that's what everyone said there's only one person that said that that was one of the biggest issues and that those were the cooks but i'm assuming they're given clean water all the time because they provide uh, they have to make the food for the village
0: hmm. so electricity and water those are the yes. two main things so that's kind of outside the i mean fixing that problem is kind of outside mm-hmm. the realm of medicine right Mm -hmm. or public Well, that's still within the domain of public health i guess yes but that would require a lot i mean governmental uh, intervention or something like that
1: yes so i think for the public health our our job wasn't necessarily to fix their problem by ourselves but address how what is the issue what can you do to fix it like maybe Mm -hmm. give them ideas and plans so For funding, actually, to get money for electricity or clean water, we were thinking about, you know, they make candles there that maybe, you know, you could sell online or something that, you know, if they're handmade. And then on top of you see where the cause is going, you'll buy them. Uh, Same thing with baskets. And then for the water situation, we're talking about having, you know, maybe wells made. Um, For electricity situation, we're thinking about, you know, maybe a dam or some type of, you know, hydropower to help with the electricity because right now they do have a lake that helps and they also have solar panels. But the thing is, sometimes, you know, if the water gets lessened in the lake and whatnot, the, water, the electricity might get cut. And on top of that, the solar power doesn't always work because they have rainy season and it rains a lot there. So their electricity for solar power is gone. So that's what we're thinking about. What are their ways? Like maybe generators or something, but then they need funds. So just, you know, trying to see what we can do.
0: Yeah, that's uh, so. That's interesting, but so there's no immediate solution. I mean, there's a long. I mean, it's going to require a long-term yeah s- plan.
1: Yeah, I think it's take a long-term plan for sure because the conduit's very, very large. It's 30, 40 acres, and there's a lot of people that live there. So the currently, I think the government does help. Um, and there's a lot of funding there that, you know, our school donates money to, and there's other organizations. Um, as When we were at the orphanage, we we were um, being told that there's an Italian organization that helps with the children there, so every child is doesn't have to worry about food or water or shelter.
0: What kind of role does the government of Tanzania play in all this?
1: So from what I was told, there's a certain percentage of funding that they give, um, I'm not sure how much, but they just help try to help out as much as they can. But I was told there's a lot of corruption there in the government, so it's really tough to get you know ample numbers. Like if you need a specific number, you won't always get it um, in terms of aid. But luckily, there's other organizations that help out.
0: So is the research that you guys did there? Is it going to go back into a database and be assimilated into a a bigger project?
1: Yes, so what's going to happen is our class was essentially phase one. Um, Next year, another class will go and hopefully build on the information that we gathered and the data we gathered.
0: That's cool. Would you ever go back again?
1: Yeah, it was was really eye-opening experience, honestly. Um, For me, going... So we went with not only our professor, uh, but, you know, there is the students that went to our school so you know we had someone we knew and then on top of that there was also a police officer that was with us in certain areas so I guess going alone I'd be kind of uncomfortable because I have no idea like you know the situation there and you don't know any of the people there when you went to us we went to a town actually close to the village uh, because we needed sim cards for our phones and the police officer told us like you know make sure you guys are all close together make sure your phones are you know, like not showing out, make sure you're, you know, in the car when you guys leave, don't show anything in the windows. So that's the thing. It was kind of scary, but it was really cool for me. Uh, if I could go again with, you know, the same group of people or, you know, with the same task at hand, trying to help people, then I'd definitely go.
0: How did it, um, how did the trip live up to your expectations? Were you nervous? First of all, were you nervous before you went? And then how did you feel after you went? like, When you got back, was it what you expected, or was it, like, totally different? Yeah,
1: so going, definitely, I was definitely nervous. Because you hear about, you know, I had to get a bunch of vaccines and a bunch of, you know, medications and whatnot for malaria and all these hepatitis and all these possible, you know, disease that I could get. So that was kind of nerve-wracking because (laughs) I'm scared of needles. So that was, you know, a hurdle by itself. But then going there, you know, I saw a lot of pictures, what to expect. And I don't know, it's like you've seen... You know, Discovery Channel and all these things on TV but in my head I knew it can't, like where we're going, it can't be that bad because we're going as students, right? And they're not going to put us in a situation that's super dangerous so I was a little, you know, calmed down by that but once we got there, it's everything was like, it was a convent, so it was closed off in gates, um, there weren't any outsiders walking in at night um, so I felt pretty safe there and then leaving was, I don't know I, I really missed it because life there was so simple and yet, like, I felt like in america a lot of issues that we have are man-made where it's like oh what did this person say on facebook about this person what this person say about twitter Where there it's very life is very simple you know you work hard to survive and that's pretty much how it is we're here all the i feel like most of the issues we have as americans for you know average americans is man-made issues so that was really eye-opening for me
0: so you feel like their concerns the concerns that they have are more like um like life and death type of concerns, or very important, as f- as opposed to us here, we're concerned with more superficial stuff?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Wow. Uh, okay, so that was all about that trip. Now <laughs> tell us you are going on another trip, yes. an even better trip, inshallah. Yes,
1: inshallah, yes. So me and my family are planning to go to Hajj, inshallah, this Wednesday night.
0: MashaAllah. Your first time.
1: Yes. I went to Umrah three years ago with my mother. So, you know, I had a rough idea of what, you know, like the environment might be like. But then again, for Hajj, I'm expecting, you know, like 10 times the amount of people that were there for Umrah.
0: Yeah. You've never seen crowds like that. No. <laughs> and you got you got, also got to get all your shots and everything. Yes, yes. And so I had like to get all my that.
1: immunization and all mm-hmm. that, and that was pretty hectic. And then, um... Actually like you know I started kind of Feeling under the weather So they can do a Like well, let me Please help me out Don't make me sick Before I go
0: Yeah <laughs> well, May Allah make the trip Successful um, You know the hadith That when you Inshallah. do a hajj And you do it properly You mm-hmm. come back You're as You're sinless As the way you were When you were born Inshallah. So may Allah accept it From you and all your family Alright Jazakallah khair We appreciate you being here Thank you so much uh, for having I Appreciate me. you enlightening us Enlightening us On the at least getting a glimpse of the public health situation In Tanzania And I assume that's very similar In the rest of uh, sub-Saharan Africa mm-hmm. Right? Yes. If not worse
1: Yes, yes, absolutely yeah.
0: Alright, well Faizan Rahman, like we said Is an MS candidate At Benedictine University He was joining us on his trip to About his trip to Tanzania From a public health perspective And we thank him for being here Um, and that will do it for us for now. And inshallah, Imam Tariq will be back with us next time. But, uh, this has been Ibrahim Baig for Radio Islam. And assalamu alaikum. May the peace and only God give be upon you.